What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022, and we're reacting to the Dolphins' second day of padded practice here in Miami Gardens, plus some player and coach availability. Lots to dive into today, so let's not waste any time. Let's get after it. Strap in. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Your team every day here on the Locked On Network. A lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at GiraffeNetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And your eyes, your ears, your voice, your presence, your aura. Here in South Florida, I'm down here. I'm at an Airbnb this week in Miami Gardens. I'm staying here for Dolphins training camp all week long. Today was practice number two for yours truly. Also just so happened to be practice number two with the pads on today. We had a chance to talk with offensive assistants before practice started. And then we observed practice and then we had some player availability that included Tua Tungvaloa and Rob Hunt and Javon Holland. Um, some pretty heavy hitters as far as Dolphins young players uh, looking to be impact players throughout the course of this upcoming season and beyond. So between that, practice, coaches, offensive assistants, had a chance to speak briefly with uh, offensive line coach Matt Applebaum and wide receivers coach Wes Welker and quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel. We had a, an awesome opportunity, uh, courtesy of the Dolphins organization, so tip of the hat, proverbial hat, I guess, tip of the creds, um, for them of affording me the opportunity to come down and have this experience uh, to kind of further acquaint myself with the organization and the, the impact players and coaches that are involved in it to help give you guys the best perspective that I can as it pertains uh, to this year's team. So it was a phenomenal day today. Uh, the weather's beautiful. It's warm. I went short sleeves today. I was long sleeves yesterday. I'm a fair-skinned guy. Can't get burnout here. Uh, but uh, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day, with the exception of this week, because we're dropping post-practice podcasts say that 10 times fast i dare you um want to give you guys the scoop or the impressions immediately after uh, practices happen so of course i'm at the facilities till about one o'clock took a couple phone calls had to get back here to my place get cleaned up here we are here now it's about four o'clock in the afternoon on wednesday august 3rd so what stood out today I i'd like to kind of go in chronological order because i think that's going to help me with the recollection of observations that we had throughout the course of the day. So I say that to say this, we started with the assistants and I had a chance to speak with Matt Applebaum first. And when I spoke with coach Applebaum, uh, I, I had a chance to ask him about the offensive system transition that he endured when he coached at Boston College. Because uh, he, was, he was asked the same thing that Mike McDaniel observed uh, yesterday in his availability was, hey, I would be disappointed if I got so caught up in putting the pads on that it would tell me that I haven't been giving my players a chance to get better and have reps. And that was a theme all day was stealing reps. It's one of the themes of this week, and I really like that concept. We're going to expand on it later in the week. But um, 
you know, he, he kind of went into this discussion of, you know, our evaluation process now that pads are on. Yes, it's a little different. You can have more high impact blocks in space because everybody's wearing pads. There's a little bit more force behind it. But conceptually, a lot of what we do, we can still emulate without pads uh, as far as movement and reads and so on and so forth. And then when the pads come on and the dynamics change, but it's, it's not as though you're not still having useful reps beforehand. And he, he likened it to, you know, what he did at Boston College. And I asked him and I followed up because Boston College would, for a really long time was this non-sustainable uh, college offense. And then he was a part of the transition that put Boston College into a pro style offense. And I asked him, you know, was that ideology of getting valuable reps uh, without pads and, and the install process, something that's followed you specifically, Coach Applebaum, or is that something uh, that, that's a little bit more unique and specific to, to Miami? And he, he mentioned, you know, we had the, the install for pro-style offense at Boston College, where, you know, a lot of places you might associate install without pads and you might think in your mind it looks a certain kind of way. Um, and that's been the case in some of the places that I've been at and coached, but other places like here in Miami and at Boston College, uh, there was still that inherent value in those reps. And then I followed up with him and said, can I ask you about uh, this offensive line group? You, you had a group at Boston College that made a very dramatic scheme shift and, and switch in how you conceptually did things and how that parallels to the installation and the education for a young offensive line group that you have here in Miami. And he gave me this, this really insightful and great answer. So, well, you know, when we were at BC, we had an older group of guys and here in Miami, the vast majority of our guys are younger guys. So from an age discrepancy standpoint, you know, it's a lot of guys in the same age demographic within a couple of years from each other. You know, these guys might be considered 22 year old kids, quote unquote, when they're in the college because they're in college. And then all of a sudden they're quote unquote, 22 year old men because they go to the NFL, right? Like, but that demo is still the same. And he said, it is definitely different when you have guys like Teron Armstead, and Connor Williams, who have been around the block in the NFL, but there are certainly some parallels as far as what that experience was like for that install with that demographic and the education, and then what I'm seeing from my offensive line here in Miami. So a great insight from Coach Applebaum. Also had a chance to speak with Daryl Bevel, and uh, Coach Bevel was talking about Tua Tungvaloa, and uh his inherent, he said, all the, all the really accurate quarterbacks, the, the parallel he made was you have to be like a great mathematician, right? And it, it's because you kind of, in a three-dimensional plane, see my receiver on this trajectory in this space, and I understand I have to put the ball on this kind of flight path with this amount of velocity and with this kind of trajectory to throw with accuracy. And then that's an inherent skill that people either have or they don't. And, you know, that's something that, that he's observing is something that Tua Tungvaloa has. And that question initially came courtesy of former godfather of Lockdown Dolphins, Travis Wingfield. And I wanted to piggyback off of that. And I said, well, coach, what is that inherent value? What is that inherent skill set? How does that change how you coach a player? You know, what... What changes when you know that that's a, a tool that's in the box or a club that's in the bag, so to say? And, you know, what, what does that do to, to bring out the best in that player and how you go about doing that? And he, he gave me an answer that, that kind of discusses, uh, you know, every individual player having their own 
uniqueness and just kind of understanding what that accuracy inherently can't be developed. It's one of those things like you can't improve. It's when it's right. You know, it's, it's one of those kind of, you either have that naturally or you don't. And he said that that can be an identifying skill that makes a player uh, unique. And I think that's what we as Dolphins fans, our expectations for Tua Tagovailoa have to be rooted in. We are looking for him to be a unique player, unique to this system, unique to the skill players that he has at his disposal. I don't think we're going to get to a point where Tua Tagovailoa is a scheme transcendent top three quarterback that you could put on any NFL roster in the NFL. And he's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns. Does that make him a bad quarterback? No. But I, I think that's when you have the kind of the inherent understanding on who your quarterback is, and it sounds like this is what, what Coach Bevel was talking about a little bit, it allows you to frame the player and paint the picture of the player and understand how you have to structure personnel and plays for the player. So I appreciated that insight for sure from Coach Bevel as well. Uh, got a good laugh from Coach Wes Welker. He was talking uh, with somebody in, in the media scrum, and Welker was a popular dude today. That was a very busy table before practice started. And he was asked um, about the perks of, I think it was Joe Shad. He was talking with Joe Shad. Joe's like, hey, like you're down in Miami now. Like As you reflect on that decision, what are some things that you reflect on and, and you like? And the first thing Wes says, well, I got a house in the Bahamas. So that's pretty close. And then at some point in the aftermath of that conversation, and he went on to, to list a whole bunch of stuff, um, he was asked, like, would you ever consider getting your, your pilot's license so you can fly to the Bahamas back and forth? And Wes said, uh, no, I actually tried that once. And after X amount of hours, the instructor said to me, hey, I think you're ready to go up on your own. And Wes said, if you feel like I'm ready to go up on my own, after X amount of hours, this is my last flight lesson because ain't no way that I feel that way. So it, it was a, a pretty funny exchange amidst all the football stuff to kind of see Coach Welker's uh, sense of humor come out. And he also talked about, you know, being involved in the stretching with his players and all that kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, that's just for me. I don't, don't expect me to be an emergency wideout for the offense or anything like that. So uh, cool to see Coach Welker's. Uh, personality amidst all the football discussions that were happening in the in the media scrum before practice started. So uh, what an awesome tone setter for the day. And then we actually had the practice itself, which is going to be next on our to-do list. But before we get there, we want to make sure that you have this wonderful resource at your disposal. Today's podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is full of twists and turns, and it's important to show up for yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will address your needs and can match you to your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to be on camera if you don't want to. And getting therapy every week is as easy as a few clicks from your laptop or phone. It's more affordable than traditional online offline therapy and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And we have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at getbetterhelp.com. 
slash locked on. Excuse me, I want to make sure I get it right. Betterhelp.com slash locked on for 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at better H E L P help.com slash locked on. So practice was a thing today as well. It was not just interviews. And throughout practice, um, today was definitely in my perspective, uh, a little bit more of a uh, sloppy day than what yesterday's. I know that was one of the, the compliments that I gave the team yesterday was from a procedural standpoint. Things were pretty clean yesterday. I did not feel necessarily as though that was the case throughout the day today. There were some drops. Hunter Long was a player who let a couple throws get through his hands. He had an out route. Uh, and he also had a ball, uh, a ball where he ran kind of a, a comeback up to the top of the sticks, turn around, was back behind a, an underneath defender, ball up over top of that defender. He had to extend up over his, his eyebrows to, to make the catch, and ultimately it slipped out of his hands. Uh, I did appreciate seeing Hunter uh, after practice. Dude was working on the jugs. So I do want to give that tip of the hat. It's really easy to sit here and say, oh, Hunter Long dropped a couple balls in practice today. Dude was on the jugs for an extended period of time after practice, working on getting those right. So, uh, but that that was uh, one of the observations that I had had that you you, you don't want to see, especially for a second year player. But it, he was not certainly the only player. Jalen Waddle had a couple of balls that got away from him that nine times out of ten he's going to catch. And the defense really seemed like they were on it today. I would certainly give the defense the nod as far as who quote unquote won practice, but I do think it's important to note, like we, we don't know how they're scripting these plays either. You know, for some of these instances, it might be a case of they're scripting plays to run into unfavorable offense or defensive looks just to kind of see, Hey, how are we going to stack up when, when the numbers aren't where we want it to be? And it certainly felt that way at times with some of the looks, I would say that the defensive line brought the heat today, whether it was Melvin Ingram on the edge whether it was Jalen Phillips as a pass rusher, whether it was Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer inside. Um, the defensive front had themselves a day today uh, in all phases of the team drills that they were able to do. So um, you expect that ebb and flow. You expect that back and forth. And, and yesterday I thought it was a day where the offense largely had a very strong performance. I would say defense today kind of answered in turn and they're off tomorrow and then they're back in on Friday for practice and, and we'll see what Friday brings. But um, I think through two days, there's an even amount of wins on both sides. Even Jalen Waddle versus Xavier Howard, you know, they did some one-on-ones early on uh, throughout the course of practice and you saw some really good bucket throws down the field from all three quarterbacks, Tua, Teddy, Skylar Thompson, like they all had some really nice flash throws on their resumes throughout that period, but I thought Xavier Howard on more than one occasion kind of showcased uh, some really good recovery ability and ball skills. Uh, I would say of the receivers, some guys that got theirs throughout the course of the day, uh, Tyreek Hill was on a load management day. He did not practice today in addition to Chase Edmonds. Uh, they did not practice. And anytime you get guys that are, are out and missing time, it's always interesting to see who are the players that fill in those blanks. And I noticed Cedric Wilson a lot today. Uh, I noticed Eric Ezukanma once again going deep down the field. He had a post route and one-on-ones. Dude goes up above the rim, and it looked like Devontae Parker. 
a lot like Devontae Parker with the fluidity and the extension to go up high. Not a ton of separation vertically down the field, but it, you know, it was a ball that, that he did adjust to and adjusted to very, very well. So this is two days for two now that Eric Azukama has flashed in a big way. I'm here to tell you this dude can ball. Uh, the Dolphins got a really good player here. And the evaluation for Eric Azukama, especially for us over the draft network, when he was coming out before the draft, the challenges that we had with him were not the physical tools. It was, well, he plays in an air raid offense. You get a lot of drop eight. You get a lot of you know, soft perimeter coverage, a lot of quarters and deep thirds and, and free access outside. Like, how well can he win early in the route? And how nuanced is his route tree coming from Texas Tech? Well, I can tell you he's winning routes early in NFL training camp against a really good secondary. Uh, so, so that's a, a big win uh, for Eric Azukama. And as I said, Cedric Wilson flashed to us a little bit in a good way. Uh, but then defensively, I think Keon Crossan had himself a really good day as well. He was on Waddle for a deep target from Bridgewater in one of the middle practice team periods. Deep shot down the field and really good recovery. Good ball skills in that moment. Uh, Crossan looking like a guy who can contribute, not just be a team's guy for you. When you first signed, that's kind of you wondered where the vision for him was going to be. Uh, Javon Holland had a near interception, had a chance to speak with Javon after practice momentarily. Every bit the dude that you would hope that he is. Uh, just the, the personality that he has, and we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. But... Um, a lot more wins on the defensive side of the ball. And then, then you see uh, Channing Tindall carrying three strong vertically 40 yards down the field in tight coverage. So some new faces really showcasing some athletic ability, really showcasing some coverage and passing down skills, which I think is important when you think about what challenges the Dolphins faced against certain teams last year, especially in the first half of the season. Really encouraged to see those kinds of potential being flashed, even though Tyreek Hill was not out there. And, and I think the receiver that benefited the most was probably River Craycraft. Now, you, know, you are missing an explosiveness component that almost every other receiver out there has for Miami's versus Cedric Wilson and Ezukanma and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And, and it's just, it's, it's a noticeable difference. And I think Craycraft's skill set is a little bit more shiftiness and wiggle as compared to burst and explosion. Um, so, so much so that you're watching him push in these middle of the field routes and you're checking the roster. It's like, is this a wide receiver or a tight end? And I don't say that to be derogatory or, or disrespectful to River Craycraft. I think it's more of a statement of the explosiveness that Miami's skill players in general have. And um, Craycraft got Got a lot of targets today, and he made some big plays, including one from Tua Tungvaloa against Cover Zero. And um, I've seen some discussion around this play, and there's a clip of this play that's going on outside. And I'm not going to get into the weeds with the specifics of the play, but it ended up being a long catch and run for a touchdown from Tua Tungvaloa. It was really good. Uh, I appreciated in the same way that the big play to Ezukama the previous day based on the coverage shell and the route combination was appropriately dictated on the weaknesses against that kind of coverage. The same exact thing happened today. So amidst an offensive practice, I thought was sloppy, where there were coverage sacks. There were really good plays by the secondary to extended coverage uh, and occupy throwing windows and challenge the quarterbacks to make tight window throws, which there were a couple of. 
making anticipatory throws, which there were a couple of, or get to the check down very quickly, which there were a couple of, but growing pains in the midst of that. Um, I appreciated the ebb and the flow and the flashes of proper decision-making based on the calls. So that's, um, those are some of my initial observations from practice itself. Um, want to make sure we get, get a chance to, to get into some of the questions that I asked some of the players that were available today, but not before I tell you about our friends over BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you know anything about me, you know I am very big on hydration, just not with water. And this South Florida sun is a little different, a little different uh, than what I'm used to back up north of the Mason-Dixon line, but we're making do. And I have my hydration here, courtesy of an ultra peachy keen monster. Um, anyway, <laughs> player availabilities. We had Tua Tungvaloa. We had Javon Holland. We had Robert Hunt. We had Durham Smythe. We had Braylon Sanders. These were the players that were available to us today. Uh, the Tua Tungvaloa scrum, crazy busy. Uh, so I did have a chance to sit in on the early portions of that, which were occupied on asking Tua Tungvaloa very personal questions about uh, his his private life, which I would just say this. I thoroughly appreciated um, Tua Tungvaloa voicing in that setting when being asked about his personal life, uh, that he feels it is disrespectful that people would go fish out information about him and... Um, him getting married effectively is what the question was. And obviously there was some picture of him with a wedding ring on that somebody found. And then people just start digging. Can we just let the guy live a little bit? And I understand you live in the public eye and all that. And it is what it is. Um, but I appreciated um, Tua Tungvalo in the midst of that saying, uh, it's almost kind of disrespectful, if you will, by doing that. Uh, obviously kind of digging into that. Uh, he said, but it is what it is. I can't do anything about it, guys. I have a wife. Um, and, and once that kind of became like the early theme, I'm like, all right, you know, Javon Holland's over here. I don't want to ask two personal questions that he's very clearly voiced that, that he thinks is a little disrespectful that people will go so far out of their way to go investigate about his private life. I'm going to go talk to Javon Holland. Uh, so I had a chance to talk to Javon Holland amidst that. And, um, Asked him, he was, was talking about the progression from year one to year two. And he was asked about fine-tuning, tweaking. It's like tuning the engine at this point. Everybody's been here. There's this common knowledge of the defense. You can be faster. Uh, you, you can be an inch closer. The analogy was it's just like tuning a car. So I asked him, you know, what is, what is the impact of some of the new faces, uh, new veterans, and what is their impact on some of the tuning that you are looking to implement out here on the field during training camp? Do you have any specific examples? And he said, no specific examples before 
<laughs> the equipment cart comes zooming by <laughs> Javon, and mid sentence he's like, "Whoa, is uh, this is this?" It's exactly what you would expect Javon Holland from a personality standpoint to do is exactly what he did in that moment. Like, yo, damn, I took my leg off. <laughs> like, and then he comes back and he answers the question. He talks about the no, not necessarily specific examples, but having vets that played, they have a knowledge of the game and they can help the younger guys see things in a different light that align with the coach's thought process. Helps a lot that they have that veteran leadership. And I, you know, this is me filling in the blank. Um, but I really reflect on a lot of what the Dolphins the last two years on both sides of the ball have and have not had. And you've had very selective veteran leadership. And a lot of the veteran leadership that you've hand-selected is former Patriots from Coach Flores's, uh, the Kyle Van Noy's of the world, the Jason McCourty's of the world. And I don't have a problem with either one of those players. But you think about bringing in a Melvin Ingram outside of your own bubble of experiences, just like we've discussed has, has been a challenge for Coach Flores with his coaching staff hires. To get outside that Patriots bubble for the system, you brought in Adam Butler, you know, who was obviously uh, released with, with an, a failed physical on Tuesday after I'd done two podcasts in like an hour and a half. And then the news dropped 10 minutes later. I said, I, I love you guys, but I'm not doing a third podcast today on Adam Butler getting weight. Stock up for Zach Sealer as a result of this, uh, which I think is a huge... Uh, potential domino, and, and I would love to see Zach get some more reps based on his play last season, the season before that, and what he showcased thus far in training camp. Um, but having guys like Melvin Ingram come into the fray, even a guy like Keon Crossan, right? And, and Javon saying, you know, that, that kind of alternate sets of eyes can really kind of change how you see things and get you into the eyes and the mind of your coaches. And I had a chance to follow up, and then I'm asking, hey, what about a guy like Brandon Jones, too? You, you guys are growing into bigger roles in this defense together. How does that film study process go? Do you guys lean on each other to talk about interchangeability that you guys have? You know, is, is it a matter of, from a tuning perspective, hey, you know, I, I'd probably cheat this down a little bit more when I'm in that position based on the coverage shell or based on anything else, or hey, I, I would have seen that split and process this differently than what you did. And he said, for sure. Uh, I feel like us as a unit, everybody leans on each other in the DBs because if you think about it, we're all pretty interchangeable. Without a doubt, growing with a team and coming into a second year in that same type of room, it helps because of the chemistry you have, connection, collective thought process, a hive mind type thing. It's definitely great for sure. And I loved that analogy, that hive mind, wherever it's automatic. Everybody immediately has the same reaction and thought process to the same stimulus and bit of information. It's, it's, there's no processing. It's just flip the switch. Oh, they're motioning three strong. Oh, they're motioning fast four. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. So it's really cool to kind of hear him go into that analogy a little bit to talk about that, that aspiration for the secondary. And of course, there's all this stuff made about, oh, the Dolphins played all these bad quarterbacks down the stretch last year. Yeah, sure. But they also played freaking lights out. They have the talent. There's no question they have the talent. It's just a matter of putting it all together. I'm going to continue to put together podcasts for you down here in South Florida. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a couple more shows this week. I'm here through Saturday's practice, Saturday night. 
Hope you guys appreciated today's insight on the Wednesday, August 3rd practice. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Kyle Krabs signing off until tomorrow. Thanks for watching or listening.